The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Since many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the events that had been fulfilled among us, just as those who were eyewitnesses from the beginning and ministers of the word have handed them down to us, I too have decided, after investigating everything accurately anew, to write it down in an orderly sequence for you, most excellent Theophilus so that you may realize the certainty of the teachings you have received. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news of him spread throughout the whole region. He taught in their synagogues and was praised by all. He came to Nazareth where he had grown up and went according to his custom into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. He stood up to read and was handed a scroll of the prophet Isaiah. He enrolled the scroll and found the passage where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring glad tidings to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to captives and recovery of sight to the blind. To let the press go free, and to proclaim a year acceptable to the Lord. Rolling up the scroll, he handed it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue looked intently at him. He said to them, Today, this scripture passage is fulfilled. In your hearing. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Remember when Jesus was walking on the water at night and the disciples thought he was a ghost? It's kind of almost humorous to picture him a rowboat full of these grown men all crying out in fear. (laughs) But truth be told, it's really called sleep deprivation. So let's go back a little while. So Jesus drew this huge crowd and told his disciples, well, feed them. So they had to feed 5,000 men and their families. After that, they had to gather up the crumbs. They had to clean up and package everything. Then they had to get into a boat and row across the Sea of Galilee, which is about seven miles. And, of course, there was a storm. And then they had to row against the wind and the waves. At about the fourth hour watch of the night, which is around five in the morning, then the Lord comes and appears walking on the water. They're exhausted. Absolutely exhausted. So why doesn't the Gospels tell us that? Why doesn't the gospel try to salvage their reputation? (laughs) The reason why is because the gospels do not want to hide the flaws. They don't want to hide the the disciples' holes and their gaps because they want to show how the holes, the gaps, and the flaws are filled by the Lord. 
So I was in a convention and meetings all day, and at, at the end of the day, at night, we decided to have a little fun and have a little poker tournament. So we all got in tables of five, and, and we played, and at the end of the night, there were only two people left with, with chips. And I was one of them. So let me tell you how I ended up in the final round in the championship. So I got my cards. They dealt out the cards, and I pick them up. And typically, they would be a two, a five, a seven, and a nine, and a jack, with no none of them of the same color, which is the absolute worst hand you can get in poker. And I would say that. I says, "How is it? How is it? I always get the worst hand possible." But see, the wonderful thing about poker is, is that it's not about the hand that you were given. It's about how you play the hand. As the song says, no one to hold him and no one to fold him. And that's how I made it to the championship round. You know, sometimes we think in life that we have been dealt not a very good hand. We may have, maybe we should have had a few more brain cells in our brain. Maybe our body, we're not, we could have had a better body. Maybe our education could have been a lot better. Our job could be, you know, our bosses. And maybe if we had more money in the bank, we'd have more options. But it's not about what we were handed in life. It's how we play the hand with Christ. You know, outside my bedroom window, there's a beautiful, thick, heavy tree in front, so it hides the city. So every time I look out the window, I feel like I'm in the country. So there was a storm, and half the tree ended up on the sidewalk, so I cleaned it up, and I went back to my room, and there's a big hole in the tree now, and I'm back in the city again. Two months later, it grew in. I'm back in the country. You know how? Because a tree has roots. It has roots. That's why it fills in. Okay, so we have holes, and we have gaps in our life. But we also have roots that fill in. We're rooted in Christ. That's why the gospel has exposed the flaws and the holes. You know, in the second reading, Paul talks about the body and how it has all these parts. And I was thinking about that. I was thinking about what part that I might be in the, in the body of Christ. Well, I can't be the hair because it keeps falling out. I can't be the brain because I'm always wrong. Can't be the mouth because nobody listens to me. And then the, and the whole idea of what Paul is saying is that all the parts are incomplete. All of the parts, they're incomplete without the body. So it doesn't matter what part we are. I could be. I'm just happy to just be a broken toenail in the body because and then part of the body because the Christ completes me. Because as a part, I'm I'm, I'm just I'm, I'm incomplete. And what Paul is saying is that the Christ completes us. We're all parts. We're all incomplete. Unless we're part of the body, which is Christ. So remember, it's okay. It's okay to have holes in our lives. It's okay to have, 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 have defects and flaws and, and gaps. It's okay because we're rooted. We're rooted in Christ. It's not about the cards that were dealt you in life. It's about how you play the cards.